You're listening to the Back Home Network, presented by Homefield Apparel. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to another episode of Doing the Work, the first show on the Back Home Network covering IU women's basketball. This is our 79th episode, recorded on Tuesday, October 24th, 2023. I'm your host, Jeff Marlowe, joined here by my co-host, Kathy Amos. And tonight, we're joined by a special guest from Assembly Call, Andy Bottoms, the guru of girls basketball, uh, girls coaching in, in Cincinnati. We will be taking a deeper look at Indiana's team and making some predictions. But as usual, we'll start this show with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And Kathy and Andy, I, I may, I'll give you guys a chance to chime in here as well. But for me, my proud banner moment was Mackenzie Holmes being named to the AP preseason All-American team today. And I believe I read correctly, she is the first Hoosier to ever be named first team preseason All-American for um, uh, in, in program history. So that's our banner moment, or my banner moment. And our banner moment is brought to you by Homefield Apparel, presenting sponsor of the Back Home Network, who includes the Assembly Call and Crimson Cast. Homefield is constantly releasing new schools or updating their products for schools in their existing line. You're bound to find something for you or anyone in your life that you that just loves great collegiate gear. They're, now, not only do you get quality apparel, but you are supporting an Indiana-based business that has its roots in the Kelly School of Business. Go to homefieldapparel.com and use our promo code HOME23, that's H-O-M-E-2-3, to get 15% off your entire first order. That's promo code HOME23 for 15% off. And once again, the website is homefieldapparel.com. Wear one for the team. And like I said, before I even hit hit our news headlines here, just Kathy and Andy, kind of thought your thoughts on the banner moment. If you maybe had something else, you would have gone with. Yeah, for for me, that would have been the exact same banner moment. I I definitely thought, um, you know, it was historic, as you said, and well deserved too. So, you know, of course, um, only one person was unanimous on that voting. Um, it wasn't McKenzie, um, but it's still, you know, I think she finished with um, maybe third in the voting, is what I had seen on a tweet. I don't know if that's valid or not. I can't fact check them, but I, I just thought um, well-deserved for McKenzie. A lot of expectations though. And, you know, like we've talked about before with preseason, anything doesn't mean anything until we can show it on the hard court, but still a really fantastic achievement for McKenzie and for the program um, to show how far, you know, she's come as a freshman. If there's if you've read that article that's out there, you know, saying, you know, her first, her first uh, exhibition game, she um, basically airballed a layup. She was so nervous. So you you fast forward now five years and look at her being on the preseason All-American list. I think it's just a fantastic achievement to her hard work and to the coaching staff for helping her um, progress this far. Yeah, definitely. I thought that was uh, exciting news. I, I can't help but see something like that and still then go back to wonder, like, so first team All-American, but one media member, didn't have her on the first team, all big 10, but that's neither here nor there. Um, but uh, no, a great, great preseason honor for her. And I think it, it speaks to, um, you know, the, the solid floor that the program has heading into the season with somebody like that in the fold, obviously Grace Berger, huge shoes to fill. Um, but still having a first team all American that you can lean on uh, is going to help some of the, 
you know, growing pains, whatever you want to call it, that they'll deal with and trying to, to figure out how to, uh, how life without grace looks, but you've, uh, you've got a, a star to build around, uh, at center and, uh, and lots of exciting things to, to look forward to with McKenzie. Yeah, and we're going to talk about some of those pieces to go around her as well tonight as we dig into the Hoosier roster and the schedule tonight with Andy. Uh, well, let's hit some of the headlines here. Hoosier Hysteria was on the 20th. Uh, the team officially hung their Big Ten championship banner and received their rings from last year. Lene Beaumont teamed up with Anthony Will- Anthony Leal to win the skills competition. Sarah Scalia teamed up with Gabe Cups to win the three-point contest. And Yarden Garzon won the knockout competition. Oh, And by the way, she hit 19 out of 25 threes in the three-point contest as well. So Mackenzie Holmes was also named to the preseason Lisa Leslie watch list for third straight season. 20 centers are named to that preseason list. Uh, She finished in the top 10 last year. Yarden Garzon was named to the Cheryl Miller watch list for small forwards. Again, 20 players on that list. And then yesterday, I believe was when I saw this, uh, Indiana had a secret closed scrimmage, whatever term you want to give it, with St. Louis. On Sunday, they won that scrimmage. It was reported 95 to 61. IU shot 53.4% from the field, 47.8% on threes. Some stats that came out of this, and again, uh, uh, kudos to Talia Goodman on who I saw this from on Twitter. I want to make mm-hmm. sure we credit her. Mackenzie Holmes at 18 points, 13 rebounds, 7 11 from the field. Sydney Perry, 17 points, 5 of 5 on three, 6 of 7 overall. Jules Lamondola, and we're going to talk a lot, I think, quite a bit about our freshman tonight, 13 points, and Yard goes on 12 points, 6 rebounds, 6 assists. And for her um, that found this on Twitter on, uh, excuse me, on ESPN, IU at Stanford is one of the 12 best non-conference matchups, according to ESPN and Charlie cream. Uh, Hoosier connect is having a drive on November 14th to raise funds for their NIL collective in Indiana high school girls basketball, or excuse me, in high school girls basketball news, saw this on ESPN yesterday as well. Overtime select will begin a four week league for elite high school girls team players taking place in the summer of 2024 at their facility in Atlanta. So I think we're starting to see, and Andy, I want to get your thoughts on this a little bit after I read the headlines, but just, and I know you don't maybe follow his recruiting as much as Ryan does, but really start, it seems like we're really starting to see the girls game move towards at least the beginning, you know, kind of where the guys were maybe 10 years or so ago with the elite AAU programs now kind of moving this way. Um, happy birthday to Alexi Bargesser, her birthday today. Uh, as we said, Mackenzie Holmes was named to the AP preseason All-American team. Uh, she was joined by Caitlin Clark as the preseason player of the year. And then Angel Reese, Cameron Brink, Paige Beckers, and Elizabeth Kitley from uh, Virginia Tech. And then just want to pass along this. I felt like it was, you know, these are things that doing a women's basketball broadcast or podcast. We it just felt like I uh, talk about a little bit. Uh, I want to pass our condolences along to the Georgetown women's basketball family on the passing of their coach, Tasha Butts, who lost a two-year battle with breast cancer earlier this week. So, but Andy, I want to throw it over to you and welcome you to the podcast tonight and to doing the work you've been on here a couple of times with in the past on some post-game shows, but just what's going on for you these days. And, and again, for those of you who don't follow uh, as much on the, on the men's side, Andy's one of the best uh, bracketologists in the business. And so you may see him uh, a little bit later in the season with his, his bracketology, but Andy, just kind of your thoughts overall, what's what have you been up to? And again, kind of that, you know, about the recruiting that I mentioned. Uh, yeah, I mean, just getting excited for the season uh, on both the, the men's and the women's side, uh, you know, with Hoosier Hysteria, uh, you know, that's that's as, we, as we've talked about a lot, a lot, not really an event to to draw conclusions from or to uh, or to really get anything from there, but really just to build excitement for the season. And I, I certainly think on, on both sides of things uh, that was true. 
uh, hearing, you know, kind of watching uh, Twitter go as uh, as Yarden was on fire in the three point contest was exciting. And I think, you know, you couple that with with the performance that you saw out of her in the in the secret scrimmage, just with the all around game. Uh, I think she's a player you'll look for to take a leap. And I know we'll talk more uh, about that in the show, but just lots of things to be excited about from uh, an IU basketball perspective on on both the men's and the women's side. So um, really looking forward to seeing kind of what this team looks like. And and we'll talk uh, on here about, you know, how things come together uh, as we go. But uh, but lots of exciting things there. And in terms of the, you know, the high school basketball stuff, it, it'll be interesting to see, um, you know, how how something like that that grows. You know, you've got in a lot of the cases on the the men's side, you've got some of these somewhat storied AAU programs that everybody knows about and, and, and different things like that. It'll be interesting to see how much the women's game progresses Mm -hmm. in that direction Mm -hmm. where, uh, you know, I think the talent today is probably a little bit more spread out, uh, on the women's side, as opposed to some of the, the men's, uh, you know, AAU teams is, uh, you know, you know, you've just got these, the ones that you just hear about all the time. So it'll be interesting to see how this, uh, impacts that if it, if it, um, you know, really kind of, uh, at least moves it more closely toward what we're seeing there, but uh, be interested to see what kind of players they get as they roll it out. And, uh, you know, certainly there might be some people that take a wait and see approach, but if it's successful, uh, I think you could pretty easily see it expanding. Yeah. And the one thing I thought was interesting was some of the people that they're, uh, I can't remember if they use the term advisors or what, but some of the WNBA stars that are supposedly on board with advising on this, like a, like a Brianna Stewart and some of the others that have, that, you know, obviously the kids know, you know, at least by name pretty well. Kathy, I'll throw it over to you. Just kind of catch us up with what you've been doing the last week and what you thought about the headlines. Yeah. You know, um, for me personally, been just doing the same old boring stuff, working. <laughs> Basically, they still want me to work to get my paycheck, I guess. So I do. <laughs> um, <laughs> so nothing exciting on that front on a personal level. Uh, for me, I, I was excited to see some of the numbers coming out um, for that secret scrimmage. Again, it was one tweet. We didn't get to see any highlights and, you know, we won't see anything in person other than the Hoosier hysteria um, skills and other contests that they had until November 1st with the exhibition. But I I was really excited to see that McKenzie played actually long enough to get to 18 points. And we don't know how long it took her, but, you know, we know she didn't play when they went over to Greece and, you know, we've already heard they're going to need to try to, you know, maybe um, limit her a little bit more than they, they have in the past years, just because of her, her knee injuries that she's had. So it was good to see though. She was still able to get an 18 points and 13, 13 rebounds in that game. Uh, and then surprisingly was, yeah, Jules, uh, Lamandola, there's the 13 points there. So, mm-hmm. you know, freshman coming in, we haven't outside of yard and last year, we haven't historically seen under coach Morin a lot of freshmen getting a lot of playing time and uh, a lot of runs. So she might be another surprise freshman that we'll have to keep an eye on. I think this year. Yeah. And I think I was a shout out to our friend Ari, who sometimes will be here with us in the workaholics on the live YouTube uh, feed, but he pointed out to us that at Hoosier hysteria, it looked like Mac was moving pretty well. And mm-hmm, so that, that was a, that was a, uh, that was a, a welcome, a refreshing piece of news. But I think we also got to keep that back of our head that we thought she was moving pretty well at the beginning of last year too. And, and right. it kind of got to her at the end of the year a little more again. So we'll see how that goes along. So let's take that dive into the IU women's program here, the preseason in the big 10, uh, third by the coaches, second by the media. They come into the season, number nine preseason ranking AP and coaches nationally. And so Kathy, I'm going to throw it to you first. 
Um, just uh, pick somebody. Obviously, Mackenzie Holmes probably the first person we want to talk about. I'll let you kind of talk about Mac a little bit and give us your thoughts about what sure. Mac has you know been obviously and and what you think the season holds for her. Yeah, so I think what we're going to be, we're talking a lot maybe this year for McKinsey is where she's at on some of those all-time lists, right? So, you know, I, I did a little rebound, or a little digging into to a lot of them, and, I, I, you know, we can take them one by one or, or not. But I think the one that's um, very interesting to me is points, obviously. So right now she's fourth overall on that top 10 list all time with 1,897 points. Um, she looks pretty safe to say she's going to move into third and second for sure. So third place is 1,910. Second is 1917. Then the question is, can she catch Tyra Bust? So she's got 2,364 points. So to so I did a little math, former accountant, so I'm pretty good at that. And um, it's to catch Tyra, she would need to average 16.6 points per game um, before any postseason postseason play. And for reference, last year she averaged 22 points per game. The question, I think, becomes the minutes. Do we see that reduction of minutes that we're hearing might be happening this year that maybe reduces her her average points per game? I think if she's going to get to that basically 17 points per game, um, I, I think it's going to be tight. But what are, you, what are your thoughts on her overtaking Tyra, I guess, Andy, from your perspective? Yeah, I, I think. If it was, if the minutes wasn't a concern, I think it would be uh, an easy choice to say that she'll catch her. Um, but I think, uh, I think even so, with her against lesser competition, I mean, if you assume that most of the minutes they're going to try to rest her is in some of these non-conference games, I think she's so talented in those situations that it doesn't have to. She doesn't have to be out there that long to potentially, you know, rack up enough points so it doesn't hurt too much. So, I'm inclined to think that she catches her. I, I think if nothing else, it's a uh, a, a nod to being optimistic that she'll be healthy enough to play that much to do it. And uh, I think we all hope for that uh, for sure. So uh, I, I think she gets it, even though, you know, they may be careful with her early in the season. I thought that was a good point, Kathy. I thought the same thing when I saw how many points she scored in that uh, scrimmage was like, well, the, the most important thing is that she was out there. The second was that she was out there long enough to uh, be able to put up numbers. So I think even, her, if she's playing 20 minutes a game and she's playing half the game in some of the non-conference games, you know, given the advantage she's going to have over some of those teams, I think she could still get to double figures and kind of stay on track in that way. Right. Yeah. And, and to point out to you that 17 points per game, I did that math, not counting any postseason games. So no big 10 tournament and no NCAA tournament. So, and I believe yeah. those points count in there. Right. Yeah. Any game she plays would count in there. And that's yeah. kind of what I did. I just, you know, if they get 30 games, she's just got to average about 15 and a half. You, you take it to, yep. down to like 30. Um, the other thing too, though, we're, we're, we're kind of assuming a little bit, maybe something we don't know. And that's that she played a ton of minutes in that secret scrimmage. She was, she's so efficient seven for 11 to get 18 points. So, you know, and 13 rebounds. Now that may be the more indicative stat that she played several more minutes, you know, that she played some minutes that she had the 13 rebounds. But one thing about McKenzie, even if she is only getting 20, you know, 20, 21 minutes a night against some of the non-conference, she's so efficient in scoring around the basket and with her shooting that I think she gets to, I think she catches Tyra barring it, you know, knock on wood. We don't want anything to happen to her, but as long as she stays healthy and can't get about 20 minutes plus per game, and we know she'll play more than that against the better teams, especially in the Big Ten against the better teams. I, I think she breaks the record pretty easily. I think she'll set the record yeah. now where it's going to be hard to get to for, you know, once we get back to kids who are basically only players. Excuse me, I always say kids uh, that get back <laughs> to players playing for, you know, four seasons. 
Four years. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, to your point, Jeff, um, she's second right now, uh, or, excuse me, third right now on the field goals made to talk about how many field goals she's been able to, to make in her career um, and to um, overtake Rochelle Bostic, who is in first place. She only needs to average basically two field goals per game. So I think that's one list that she'll definitely <laughs> come out on top of for sure um, by the end of the season. So, yeah, I think um, the thing that we, we, we're what we dwell on so much with McKenzie is, you know, how many points, how efficient, but sometimes we forget some of the most important things we get from McKenzie is her defense, right? I mean, she was defensive player of the year in the conference last year. Um, and so I think that's something we need to, to touch on right now as well. And so, again, I think that goes back to, you know, what um, Ari was talking about. And I noticed that as well during Hoosier hysteria, um, she did look pretty, pretty mobile. She didn't have any major you know, things on her knees, braces or anything. And, you know, that's a lot, lot going on for your defense. I, I'll be curious if her defense um, holds up again this year, like it did last year and what we, what we see out of her from there. So Andy, you got anything else you want to add about Mac? Uh, no, I, I know Kathy put in a couple others in here. Block shots might be one. That's a little bit, I, I think the field goals made one yeah. feel pretty good about yes. that. One. Uh, the block shots <laughs> yeah. though, looks like I, you got in here. She's, <laughs> Yeah, she needs 61 to uh to take first place in block shots, which is close to what she had last year. So that one might be that that one there might be a little bit more drama as to whether she uh she catches that. But I think if she plays enough again, probably good. I mean, uh, you know, kind of amazing. We talked about this so many times last year of being able to watch Trace kind of rocket up the list on the men's side and having another talented uh you know front court presence on the women's side and she's gonna end up uh just as high, if not higher, in all the all the women's categories as what he did and uh, just a testament to how she's grown in her career. And that article was, uh, you know, I remember we went to a game uh, with my family. I think it was, it was maybe her freshman year. Um, and she had kind of started to like find her groove at that point. Uh, maybe it was her sophomore year, but yeah, just kind of funny to look at where she is now. And then some of those anecdotes about how nervous she was and everything at the beginning, just, uh, you know, the kind of thing that makes it fun to follow a college sports team and a college sports program. Yeah, and I know we're not we're not mediocre Jay here, Andy, but Kathy, I, I, I'll take the over on the rebounds. I, I think she'll get more than seven rebounds a game, so I think you'll see her move up that rebound list a little bit farther as well. I don't think she'll get to number one, but I think she'll be over seven rebounds a game. What about you two? I, I would tend to take the over on that. I do think you have, um, you know, Yarden's a, a pretty good rebounder. and Yeah, I think it's, it's going to be really close, though. Yeah, you, you've just got enough other people who may be able to contribute there, but I, I don't see her doing less than what she did a, a year ago. So uh, I, I would tend to take the over on that as well. Sorry, Kathy. Kathy, you got anything you want to add about, about the rebounding? Yeah, the, the, the question for me, I think, on rebounds is, you know, again, how much time she ends up. Yeah, for me, I think the rebound question comes down to, you know, actually not so much what McKinsey does as much as what Lily Meister might be able mm -hmm. to do, right? Lily, I think, looks to be poised to probably be her backup. And so do they use Lily maybe a little bit more than they did last year? Which again, it leads to that maybe reduced production for McKinsey. So I, I think it's going to be really close. You know, she needs 61, um, 60. I'm sorry, that's block shot. She needs to average, like you said, seven per game. And what did she average last year? Um, Jeff, do you have that handy? Yeah, I actually do. If I can pull it up here real quick. I think it was like 7.3. 7. Yeah, 7.3. It was 7. right 3. around yeah. the 7.3. 7. Yeah. So yeah, it's going to be really close, really close. So. Yeah. 
So, and then, so obviously, you know, this is interesting and, and, and Andy brought up a really good comparison to TJD, but you just graduated a player that I've heard Jared use this phrase. So I'm going to borrow it from him that, you know, Grace Berger's a Mount Rushmore IU women's player. I think Mackenzie Holmes is going to be a Mount Rushmore type player. And it's interesting to kind of see this, you know, this dynamic that, you know, they're two different types of players, but I think they both have the same ability to lead. And when you listen to the players talk a little bit, like at Big Ten Media Days or in some of the interviews they do, just how much they how much they value Mac in terms of what she says and how she goes about her work. And I, I just think that's where you really see Terry Morin's program's foundation, that uh, whether it's Allie Patberg passing it on to Grace Berger or Grace Berger to Mackenzie Holmes, and now you're hoping Mackenzie Holmes will pass it along to a Yarden Garzon or somebody like that. I think that's when you really start to see that foundation of that great leadership of, of that's coming through the program. What do you think, Kathy? Yeah, I, I agree. And I think we're, we're hearing that a lot, you know, and um, again, back to Lily Meister, I think, you know, I've heard, you know, reports that McKenzie's taken her under her wing. Uh, if you saw her at, at Hoosier Hysteria, at least for me, the little bit I saw of her anyway, whatever you can take from it, she does look like she, you know, has kind of um, put on some muscle and, and, uh, and, and kind of worked on, on her body and McKenzie went through all of that. Right. Yep. So I feel like, you know, Lily is really starting to walk in the footsteps that McKenzie has laid down in front of her. Um, so time will tell, you know, she's only played one season, so we'll see if she can make a sophomore leap for us this year, but she's one person I'm pretty high on, um, I think coming into next year to make a, a, a nice leap from what we saw from her last year. And I think a lot of that, to your point, Jeff, is because of the foundation others have laid and especially McKinsey Holmes as well right now with with um, with Lily. Yeah, I think that cultural piece of it is it, that's where obviously you can it's a chicken and egg thing. How much of that has contributed to the winning and the success that they've had? recently but you contrast that to the men's program there just hasn't been that foundational mm -hmm. this is what we're about here's people to pass it along to the next class of players and the next class of players after that and you know talk so much about what's the team's identity like there's no question about that with uh the women's program that's obviously first and foremost a testament to terry morin but also bringing in players who can pass that along um and again it it's it's easy to let the winning feed into that and be like yeah that's you know, that makes it easier to follow those kinds of things. But um, you do feel good as the torch has been, you know, the torch has been passed enough times where you feel like, okay, nobody's going to drop it at this point with the uh, women's program as you've gone, uh, you know, kind of lost different players and moved on from different players. But, uh, you know, the trajectory of the program has really stayed the same uh, through all that. And, uh, you know, Max, one who, again, not to go back to that story again, but really grew into that role as being that ambassador for the program and the person who's, the next one to pass it down. And um, so really excited to see, you know, who's who that next person is going to be obviously a few candidates, but, uh, but awesome to, to see. And just such a speak so well of what the program has been able to do. And Andy, I'm going to throw it right back to you here. Why don't you take a chance? Why don't you take, uh, uh, take the opportunity to fill us in, you know, obviously one of the other big players coming back. She had a very good outing in the secret scrimmage. That's Sydney Parrish. Yeah, there was something I read. I forget where it was. It talked about she was uh, playing really well in the, um, you know, in, in practices and uh, a lot of good reviews uh, of her play in the uh, in the offseason. So, you know, she seems poised to at least pick up some of the scoring slack uh, that they'll need to do with 
with Grace gone, and she was an effective scorer uh, a year ago, you know, scoring you know, 12 a game. But I think she's one that can take a, a leap, whether she ends up being the second leading scorer uh, or not. I think there's probably a couple different candidates for that. But I do think she's one that you can kind of count on uh, to be able to to pick up some of the scoring slack. And I think in some ways um, it, it's a little bit of, you know, the shooting is going to be important. But, you know, she's you know first year with the program last year. Um, I wouldn't say there was growing pains by any means, but I think she'll be more comfortable uh, as she gets in there. Seems like she shot the ball well, both, um, you know, at Hoosier Hysteria, also in the scrimmage. I think those are all positive signs she's going to get. Having somebody like Mac, people are going to get open looks from the outside, and the ability to knock those down consistently is going to be critical. Um, but she's somebody who can score in different ways. Uh, and I think one of the things that you'd like to see from her um, – it's just maybe this is all uh, anecdotal and I'm sure there's stats that either back this up or don't back this up, but finding ways to keep her out of foul trouble. I thought there were yes. some big games last year that she <laughs> got herself in foul trouble by, you know, being aggressive and kind of doing things you want to do, but you got to, you know, at this point it's even that much more important this year to be able to keep her on the floor. So, you know, yep. can she evolve in that way? Uh, I think that'll be really, uh, that'll be really important. So not to keep drawing parallels between this and the men's program, but it's like the Malik Renew question of like, <laughs> how do you stay out of foul trouble and stay on the floor? Um, and with her, especially in, in, you know, in the big games, they're going to need her, but I think she's a great candidate to be the second leading scorer on the team. Uh, if she's able to build on all the things that it sounds like she's been able to do in the offseason. Yeah. I want to pop in on that. Cause that's exactly what I was thinking about was her foul <laughs> situation. I was looking at the numbers today and she averaged about three fouls a game. Now, look, I'll be one first one to subscribe to the philosophy as a coach that, you know, especially in a college game, if you're playing 20, 25, 30 minutes, you, you don't get a couple of fouls. You probably would. I'm going to ask what you're doing. You know, are you really involved in some of the action? But she averaged yeah. three fouls a game. And in her starts, she didn't start every game last year. So but in the starts, she averaged almost four fouls a game. I, we got to have her on the floor in key moments, you know, without having to worry about her foul trouble. So that was the one thing I was going to bring up about Sydney, because I agree totally what Andy said. Kathy, I'll throw it to you, over to you for your thoughts. I, I totally agree that I think Sydney, along with maybe another person we're going to talk about here in a minute, is probably who we're looking at to be the second leading scorer for the team this year. Yeah, I, I, I agree with both of you. In fact, I had uh, the foul storyline was absolutely my headline for for Sydney as well. And I, I would say, to be honest, I, it, it's it, it's critical, in my opinion, for this team. You know, they don't have Grace anymore. You know, they need Sydney in there with her leadership and her scoring ability. And, you know, when she is in there and playing aggressively under control, she is she can be a torment on, on defense and rebounding as well. And so I think, I think honestly, she's the key to this team's success this year. In, in my opinion, I, I really do. I think her ability to be able to stay on the floor um, more than she did last year, three, three fouls per game is okay. But if she's going to be starting, her minutes are expected to go up four fouls per game is not going to do it. Cause she's going to now have to sit on the bench more. And I just really think we, we, it's critical, I think for this team to have her on the floor. So to me, I think outside of McKenzie, who is obvious, I think Sydney's probably one of the most important, um, players on this team and keeping her on the floor, I think is critical for the team. 
Yeah, I, I totally agree with that as well. And I'm going to take it on to Yarden Garzon. And, and I think Yarden's probably the other one that we're thinking about, mm -hmm. at least right off the top of our heads, is going to be right there in that battle to be the second leading scorer on the team. Yarden comes back from an all Big Ten freshman year. She was second team all Big Ten. She started all 32 games. And, then, <clears throat> and for Coach Morin to play a trust a freshman that much, that's kind of unusual in this program for under Terry Morin. And, I, and again, I'm not opposed to it, but it just was not something you were used to seeing. It was her really throwing a freshman into the fire for a lot of minutes right off the bat. Uh, I think it also helped, obviously, Yard had played a little bit of international basketball, you know, for Israel and her club team and stuff, so it was coming in there. Um, she averaged 11 points a game. She shot 45.8% from the three-point line. And as we mentioned already, she had a really nice all-around game in the secret scrimmage. And when we mentioned this a little bit, Andy, last week, and I'll throw it to you first here, about the basketball might right now with everything that's going on with Yarden and, and being from Israel and everything that's going on and, and, you know, with her family and everything, that time where she can be in the gym with her teammates and playing a game may be the few moments during a day where she doesn't have to think about what's going on halfway around the world. And so we might actually see some, you know, see, you know, her play as expected and not have to worry about whether or not, you know, she's, you know, kind of caught up in some of the things going on that none of us obviously have any control over nor, and neither does she, but you know, just, I was really, I was really, I like those numbers I saw coming out of the secret scrimmage. Yeah. And I, th I think she's somebody even look last year, she averaged three assists per game. And, and so again, as a freshman to be able to step in um, really passed it, passed it well hit some big shots uh, from three-point range, shot almost 46% from three uh, as a freshman. So you look at something like that and, and you really feel like the sky's the limit. I think uh, one of the things I read in the offseason was maybe trying to get her inside a little bit more. You know, she does a lot of her damage outside. Uh, but again, I think can you put somebody in a position, her in a position to be a playmaker a little bit inside the arc. She's got good size, um, can score in a lot of different ways. And so maybe what we saw and some of those numbers from the scrimmage with six assists, uh, you know, is putting her in a, a position to find teammates a little bit more or be able to make that next pass if, if Matt kicks it out to her and, and be able to make the next pass for a bucket. Um, but, yeah, I think uh, it's so easy to get excited about somebody with her size and skill set uh, to be somebody else, again, to take a little bit of the pressure off. And somebody really the defenses have to account for can't leave alone uh, when shooting 46 percent. It's, uh, it, you know. That is quite a luxury to have if, if they want to sag off of her and give her shots. Uh, they can, but she's also got the size to be able to shoot over people. And um, so really, really excited to see how she grows uh, as a sophomore. And, uh, you know, I certainly feel for her with everything going on. Can't really imagine at that age to uh, be, you know, across the world dealing with some of those kinds of things. And so I, I think you've seen a lot of great things from her teammates in terms of what support they're giving her and, you know, I think, Jeff, to your point, maybe just maybe basketball can be a little bit of an escape at some point of, of everything else that's going on. But, uh, yeah, hard to hard to put yourself in those shoes, even uh, at my age now to think like how I'd be able to handle that, let alone somebody who's, you know, 19, 20 years old and having to having to deal with some of that uh, from so far away. So uh, excited to see what she can do from a basketball perspective. Obviously, she's got greater things to, uh, you know, kind of worry about, but uh, so much potential there with with her. And so that's another one that the secret scrimmage. You take those numbers, it's like, okay, the, the well-roundedness and the all-around game that you are excited to see from her, like that only furthers the excitement about that. Kathy, your thoughts on Yarden? Yeah, so I think um, similar to Sydney, I think for uh, for me, what I'm hoping to see for Yarden is that the game slows down because she had times as well last year where she'd get herself into some foul trouble. So again, hopefully she'll you know be able to have that game kind of slow down for her and, and really um, – 
you know, be able to stay out on the floor for us. Because when you have somebody that shoots 46% from three, um, and, and I don't know that she'll replicate it or not. I mean, again, Hoosier Hysteria told us very little other than she can shoot um, 19 of 25 when she's not guarded under, um, you know, a time pressure situation. <laughs> so how much that translates into the game, we'll, we'll have to see. But yeah, that thing that I, I really liked and you both kind of pointed out too was the six assists. You know, she had quite a few assists last year. And um, Andy, yeah, I, I heard, heard that a number of times with Coach Morin in, in interviews where she said, you know, Yarden is a big guard and they're actually going to try putting her down low more actually on the post and post her up as a, as a guard from time to time. And I just find that really intriguing to see how that will work um, with, with our different lineups and stuff. So I, I expect that, you know, especially with Grace being gone, some of you know the improvements maybe we're hearing from, from Yarden and from Sydney, some of the freshmen coming in, I think we might see some different looks from the Hoosiers this year on offense too. And I think Yarden's going to contribute to that to Andy's point, because she's going to be a, you know, one well-rounded player where, you know, how do you defend that? Especially if McKenzie's in there. Um, I think that, you know, those two um, along with Sydney and, and if Sarah can start lighting it up at her Minnesota levels, I think this, that lineup in particular is really going to give the defenses some, some fits. So Kathy, I'm going to throw it right back to you and then we'll kind of run back around the horn with it. But why don't you dive into, to, and I think if we would have given yeah. out awards last year, the most improved player, Chloe Moore McNeil. Right. Yeah. So I was really high on Chloe coming into the, the yes, season last year and she absolutely didn't dis disappoint me at all. So Chloe last year finished on the all big 10 second team and she was on the um, all defensive team last year. She started all 32 of her games. She averaged 33 minutes, which if I remember correctly was right up there with all um, towards the top. I think she and Grace had the most minutes of all the players last year. Um, you know, she's not out there to, to light it up in terms of double digit points. She was real close nine and a half points per game, but we can see that from her for sure. Um, what I think she's out there more is going to be for facilitating and really helping, you know, she was the leader in assists last year per game in the big 10 and one of the top five, if I remember in the country, and she ended up with 4.8 assists per game. And then of course on the defensive side with 1.8, four steals per game but chloe's been really fun to see the, her three years too right i mean she goes from you know only averaging around seven minutes per game her freshman year to 21 to 33 i mean that's a that's a huge jump to take in in those three years and you know she's she's just plays with such tenacity and you know hearing uh, teammates talk about her. She's clearly loved by her teammates as well. And I think they, they look to her to, to really be a leader, um, of the team, whether it's quietly or vocally, um, you know, we don't see her talking maybe a whole lot, but that doesn't mean she's not in, in practices or, or whatever. So I think for, for me, Chloe seems to be maybe that kind of steady rudder, if you will, for the team. She seems to be the leader. I think, you know, I, I would expect her to fill a lot of that point guard, um, capabilities in position for us this year. Andy, your thoughts about Chloe. Yeah. I mean, it's just fun to watch her development last year. And, uh, you know, some of that was accelerated when she had to, to really take mm -hmm. over running the show when grace was out. And I think that's something that while in the moment was not ideal, uh, it's something that really pays dividends this year, given the role that she's going to be asked to play. And I, I think she'll score a little bit as she did uh, a year ago, but I think the facilitation and getting other people the ball where they need to get it uh, is going to be, uh, you know, job one for her. And job two is just hounding the crap out of the, uh, the other team's best perimeter player yes. uh, defensively. And so, uh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, 
So excited to see, you know, how she can expand her game. Her shooting got a little bit better uh, last year. If she takes a similar jump, she gets up to, you know, maybe a 36, 37% three point shooter just gives you that threat. She's certainly not somebody you can just totally slough off of um, mm -hmm. as you go through and do that. But I think kind of the, you know, consummate point guard leader, uh, you know, and, and the, the point person defensively uh, for a team that really wants to hang its hat on the defensive end. Yeah, two things I'm going to point out here for Chloe, and again, we'll give credit to, to Kathy because she was on the Chloe Moore McNeil uh, drum beat last year at this time, talking about how much she thought Chloe was going to bring to the table. So kudos to Kathy on that. Um, but I, I'm going to go to two things: her assist to turnover ratio, three point two. She, you know, she th three assists for every turnover she was committing, and and that is huge for a point guard, especially at the college level. I can't imagine. I always thought a three to one ratio for a high school point guard was really good, and so for a college point guard to really have that kind of assist to turnover ratio tells you she was valuing valuing the ball. She understood what her job was, which was to get the offense kind of initiated. I think we'll see her step up the scoring a little bit more this year. I think she'll dump, jump it up into double figures. I'm not saying she's going to go to 15 or 16, but I can see her getting to 12. And you know, again, that's basically one more bucket a game. And the other thing I'm really looking forward to, she shot 85% at the free throw line last year. And again, guards who can knock down free throws at the end of games can take you a long way. And that's, I think, is one of those things I'm going to continue to look and watch. You notice her, her the year before she shot 73%, which I would take, but if she can stay around that 80 to 85% range free throw shooting, that's what you want. You want kids like that, a Sydney Parrish and Mackenzie Holmes. Uh, well, I shouldn't throw my Mac in there because more of a post player, but a Sydney Parrish, a Yarn Garzon, a Chloe Moore McNeil knocking down free throws in the games because you want your ball handlers to have the ball. All right. So, but that was yeah. the two things I really stuck out. Um, I'm going to yeah, throw it over. Kind of Go ahead. real quick on one thought I, I also had on, on um, Chloe, you know, to your point with the free throws, I, her free throw attempts last year were 102 free throws. You compare that to her freshman and sophomore year were 17 and 33. So yeah. she went from 33 to 102 free throws attempted and she's knocking him down. So that tells us two things. One, she can shoot the ball at the free throw line, which is good under pressure, but she's being very aggressive as well too, to get those draw those fouls called as well. So um, I just look for more of that. The more she's got the ball in her hands this coming year. Yeah. So Andy, I want to throw it over to you for, for Sarah Scalia and, and, or for Sarah Scalia. And, and what do you think of, of Sarah? And, and I think we kind of all felt like she was going to have a bigger impact last year than ended up happening. But I'm one that think that Sarah could really be a key to this team this year. Uh, yeah, I agree. I think she's another one I've heard good things about in the off season. And, and quite honestly, when you look at the role she was asked to play uh, at Minnesota really before she came to IU, I, I think it's fair for there to be an adjustment period, came into a really well-established mm -hmm. team with roles pretty well carved out. Um, and, and even her over the course of the season, you know, she started about half the games, came off the bench and the others. I, I think easy to make a case for maybe why her impact felt like less than than maybe what was expected, but um, I think overall, she still brings the shooting. You saw that in flashes. I know, uh, I think one of the postgame shows I, I filled in on with you was a game that she played really well against Michigan, if I'm remembering mm -hmm. it correctly, and, and shot it really well. Uh, so that shooter is still in there, even though it was a little bit uh, less than what she showed at Michigan. And, and I think when you start to figure out who can help pick up some of the scoring slack uh, that, that you have with Grace leaving, she's definitely one that's going to be there. Super experienced, good teammate, has another year in the in the system uh, with her, and, and I think somebody who could uh, 
who, who's going to play a big role on this team. And I think like, uh, you know, Sydney being able to step up, I know Kathy mentioned earlier that may be a, you know, really will help dictate which way the team goes. I think Sarah is another big one. Like mm-hmm. if she can get to a point where she, you know, uh, again, you talked about this with Chloe, you know, bump up by a couple points a game, you get into double figures and you do some of those things. It's, um, and shoots it well, just the spacing that this team could have, uh, on the floor mm-hmm. with Mac in there and the shooters around her, if she shoots it well, um, you, you kind of forcing other teams to pick their poison, uh, on the defensive end with what, what they want to try to do. Yeah. I think Sarah can be a little bit of a streak shooter, but I really think what I, two things I want to say about Sarah and I'll throw over to, to Kathy for her thoughts is we've seen some video of her this offseason where she really looks like she's leaned out. We were talking with Amanda Foster about this a little bit last week, and Amanda said that even though she was at media day, it was hard to tell just because they didn't really see them going up and down the floor or anything. But that, but everything she's hearing is the same thing. And, and, and also, the second thing here, Kathy and I had a great chance to have Lenny Holmes, Mackenzie Holmes' dad, on over the summer, uh, actually in August after they got back from Greece. And he was basically you, – you keep an eye on Sarah Scalia that she is she is going to be that kid that you know or that player that I think is going to surprise and I think everything we're hearing seems to be the same thing a couple things I've seen about practice sounds like she's looked very good in practice and so I think we're really going to I think we really have an opportunity to maybe see the Sarah that we saw against us when she played at Minnesota so but we obviously we didn't get any of the stats for her out of the secret scrimmage, but that doesn't mean she didn't do much. I mean, she, you know, Talia may have only had so much information she could get into a tweet and stuff. So, but I'm really looking forward to Sarah's game this, 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 this season. So Kathy, your thoughts on Sarah. Yeah, I think, you know, again, Sarah is like, like Andy mentioned, I think she's another one that we have to see step up similar to Sydney. You know, we, we've talked about this on a few other podcasts this offseason. You're not going to replace Grace with another Grace. There is no other Grace out there. Each player is unique. And Sarah, in, and we've talked about by committee, and I really think that Sarah and Sydney have to be the two in particular, maybe a few more points from Yarden, um, to step up and fill those, that point production that we're going to be losing with, with grace, not coming back. So um, that to me is also another key player, I think. And, you know, where I'd also like to see Sarah, I think now that she's had a year under her belt is interesting to be how she can step up on the defensive end as well. You know, I think we saw Sydney um, really embrace that last year. I think Yarden could, could be a pretty good defensive player at times. And I'd like to see a step up from her, but I, I think that's a, a place I'd really like to see Sarah grow as well. So yeah, she thought shot 38% at, at Minnesota from three point um, as a career three point specialist is what she was really known for there. And, you know, she was down to 34 last year, which is still respectable. But like Andy said, that shooter is still in there. And I think it's just her getting her confidence back. And, you know, I, I assume both of you probably agree. She's probably going to slip into that back into that starter role with grace leaving. Right. Yeah. yeah, I would think so. Yeah. So hopefully that helps her, gives her that, you know, added incentiveness. And is that, is that right? Incentive. There you go. That, that incentive Whatever. to really step up her production as well. Um, you know, she's going to be looked on to be as a, a leader. You know, she's been playing ball now for um, four years. This is her fifth year, right? I believe so. I think, yeah, I think she played three at Minnesota. So, yeah. So, I, I'm, you know, I think Sarah's definitely got it in her. So, I, I'm excited to see what she does as well. And we have one big loss, and, and the key loss that we've talked about, we've mentioned her several times already. So, we're not going to spend a lot of time with Grace Berger, but Grace Berger graduated with over 1,800 points, over 
500 assists and over 700 rebounds. I mean, she did some things that very few IU women's players have done in their career. And like I said, I think when you talk about the, the Mount Rushmore of IU women's basketball, Grace Berger is going to be on there. Andy, I'll throw it to you. Just really kind of your thoughts on, on what Grace meant to the program. Uh, yeah, just, uh, I mean, everything really is what she meant to the program. I think, <laughs> yeah. um, you, you know, just you look at all the ways that she could impact the game, the competitiveness, uh, different ways that she could score. Uh, and even over the course of her career, playing different roles, becoming more of a facilitator at times. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's one, it's no different than when she was out last year, right? You're not replacing one person is not replacing her. You need everybody to take a little bit of what she did, uh, to try to fill in the gaps for, for all the things that she brought to the table. And, uh, and, and so that really is the same thing that happens this year. And I think there's a lot of good candidates to do it, to kind of pick up, uh, a little bit of the slack, uh, here and there, but just, a, an incredibly well-rounded player that, uh, impacted the game, uh, in so many different ways that is, uh, you know, like I said, it's nice to be able to to have uh, an All-American to fall back on to to be able to help ease the blow of losing that. But you've got all the all the other perimeter players. You know, the last four players that we've talked about all have things that they'll need to do to step their game up to help. Uh, you know, come close to to easing the loss of everything that Grace brought to the game. Kathy. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, you can't replace that all at once. We talked about a lot of her scoring, but what you can't really replaces the intangibles right her leadership and um just her her drive and and you talked we talked a lot about culture earlier you know she had that get into the gym that you know doing all the work um that the the potty the the program has embodied since coach Morin has been there and you know they have just such a nice clear identity i think as a team right they they work hard they do extra work um they our defense first team. And I think grace really embodied all of that. And you can't just replace that with one person for sure. Um, you know, you, you talked about points, but there's also her assists. So, you know, Chloe, we talked about with her assists, yard and with the assists, you know, that's still a lot of production from grace on that side and the rebounds and the defense, there's just so much that she has going on that you can't just replace. So, um, it is definitely a big loss. I think that's probably, uh, obviously, the the biggest reason why, you know, the team right now is projected second or third in the Big Ten and not first with, you know, four of their five starters coming back from their championship team. You know, that that hole of grace is going to be interesting to see how we we fill it, which I definitely think the the talent is there. It'll be a question of who steps up and if they're consistent enough to do it. Kathy, I'm going to throw it right back to you. I want to get your thoughts on a couple of players that we didn't really include and just realized as we we're starting that going through the show tonight that we didn't have really on the run sheet, but I'm really intrigued by it. You've mentioned one, that's Lily Meister. And for another one, that's mm -hmm. birthday girl, Lexi Bargesser. I really think, yeah. again, Lily may not put up huge stats this year just because she's playing behind Mac, but I really am looking forward to the development of those two this year. Uh, just because again, I think depth for once, I, I'm really, I'm really keeping my fingers crossed that we're going to go eight, nine deep. And if we are, they're going to be two of the players in that rotation. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, um, <laughs> we had such a nice freshman class last year in, in particular, when you talk about Yarden, Lily and, and Lexi coming in, we, you know, and, um, Hina Sandvik as well, but those two in particular, I think I, I could see, you know, I've talked a lot about Lily, but it, yeah, we haven't talked enough about Lexi, unfortunately. Yes. Belated happy birthday to her. I'm sure she's listening, but anyway, I, I think there's really big things for Lexi too, because, you know, you know, she's had another year of healing and therapy for her knee. I don't think she's been working 
wearing that really big brace that we saw on her last year. And that's just going to free her up for movement, which helps her with scoring. It's going to help her with her lateral movement for defense. And so I think there's a lot of things from Lexi that we might be surprised by her as well. Um, but we'll see when we get on the floor. She was, you know, a, a freshman last year, so she had some really great moments and then other times just hardly got onto the floor. So we'll see if she can be a little more of a consistent contributor this year and that, you know, hopefully with the knee, especially, I think is going to go a long way to helping her contribute a lot more consistently. Andy, your thoughts on Lily and or Lexi? Yeah, I think both of them will play important roles. I think given, you know, what we've seen, the, you know, Yarden excluded, Terry Mormon hasn't shown a, a great uh, proclivity toward wanting to play freshman a whole lot. So that opens the door for the first couple of people off the bench to be the people who are sophomores. And uh, as you look at those two, I think you know, Lily, again, it goes back a little bit to the whole load management question, whatever you want to call it with McKenzie. But if they want to do some of that, particularly early on, it could give Lily a chance to one, get a good chunk of minutes and two, really get into a little bit of a groove mm -hmm. um, and maybe get a, a rotation set where she's kind of coming in at set times of the game and uh, and different things like that. And I think they both showed in very, very complimentary roles uh, some flashes a year ago. And, uh, you know, best thing about freshmen is they become sophomore as the old uh, as the old adage goes. And I think it's a, a year for them under their belt to be in the right spots defensively. And things like that, where they can pick up the slack and, and Lily can just get a couple putbacks or something like that. I mean, there's not, you know, the good thing for them is they're not going to be asked to make, you know, massive contributions on the score sheet. They can really step in, play complementary roles and uh, and give themselves a chance to, to work their way into the rotation. But I think both of them will be absolutely, you know, key parts of things and probably, you know, two of the first people off the bench without a doubt. So, yep. so let's hit the newcomers real quick, Kathy. I'll go throw it back to you because uh, I'm one that I'm, I agree with both of you. I think both of them are going to play key roles. I think that Lexi's knee injury maybe held her back a little bit that she suffered in high school. Even uh, you know, I think they tried to manage her a little bit, make sure they weren't overplaying her, and 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 had her moments. But let's talk about Lene Beaumont and Jules Amendola. And we had the opportunity to have Lene on the show over the summertime. Great, you know, great interview. Well, you know, well well-spoken for such a young lady. And then Jules had a really good secret scrimmage with St. Louis. She came, she, uh, as a freshman, I, we said 13 points for the Hoosiers there. So um, Andy, just what you, little you may know about Lene and Jules, what do you possibly see their roles? I think they'll be brought along slowly would be my guess. I'm doing that based on history as much as anything, you know, secret scrimmage results, notwithstanding, I think the, you kind of got to go with the track record of what you've typically seen from Terry Morin. And so I think there's good pedigree with both. Uh, really enjoyed the interview you guys did uh, with Lene over the summer. Uh, and so I think they're going to be pieces. I think they need to be ready if there's, there's opportunities for them to get in games. And uh, given the early, the non-conference schedule, they may have some of those chances and maybe if they get in there and, and show out, uh, they work their way into a bigger role. But I think both seem really talented, decent size, um, and so I, I think there's a lot of positive things to look forward to with them. I think whatever you get from them this year, uh, is probably a bonus. Uh, and I don't mean that as a, a slight to them by any means. It just, given what we've seen from Terry Morin, pretty small rotation, doesn't play freshman a whole lot. Uh, you know, you got to try to figure out maybe one of them kind of wins a job, you know, you know, surpasses the other and, and maybe they become a person who really works their way into that rotation. But I think, uh, lots of excitement for them in the future. Both had some, uh, you know, pretty decorated high school careers. Mm -hmm. And um, so I think the talent is there. Just 
I, I fall back in some of these where I'm not obviously following the, uh, the women's recruiting as much as uh, I don't even follow the men's recruiting that much, to be honest with you. But uh, <laughs> so certainly don't know enough yeah. specifically about their games. And so in that case, I kind of fall back on what is the coach shown that they want to do and how they typically do things. And we'll kind of make my assumption based on that and uh, hopefully be surprised. And uh, certainly if they play well enough to get minutes, that's going to be an awesome thing for IU, right? Because that'll basically force her hand to do something that she may not want to do uh, as much. And uh, so I think if one of them really establishes himself, uh, that's an awesome uh, sign for where the season could go. Kathy, your thoughts on the freshman. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, originally um, when we kind of did a breakdown of them earlier this summer, I thought Lene might be the one of the two that might um, really be the the contributor between the two, but I've kind of flipped my, my narrative in my head based on some of the reports we're hearing out of their Greece trip and practice. And now the secret scrimmage, I, I'm almost wondering if Jules might work her way into a, a regular participant in that rotation, maybe that eighth person, you know, we talked a lot about Lily and, and Lexi baby being six and seven. Um, I could see Jules potentially being an, an eighth one from what I'm hearing and the teeny bit we, we saw it or seems like her motor is really high um, in particular. But yeah, I, I tend to be more like Andy, though. I think, you know, based on the history of Coach Morin, she doesn't tend outside of Yarden, our exception freshman. She doesn't tend to play freshman a whole lot. And I, it, without having seen them, I'm not sure that I, I, I could say that either one of them are going to get meaningful minutes a whole lot this year. What I like about them though is that they they do lay a nice foundation for future years and so that's where i hope especially in some of these earlier games these non-conferences that aren't stanford or tennessee um that maybe they're getting a lot of run in some of these games so that you know they start laying the, the getting a lot more experience early on but they you know from everything we heard from them and about them their work ethic again they just fit so nicely into that culture and that identity of the program that's what i like about them now i don't know if this year we're going to see a whole lot of them but i think it just i think we'll see a lot from them potentially even next year in their sophomore year but definitely as four year players that but will be at the program and Kathy, i'll throw it right back to you just a little bit what little we know about sharnice curry jokes yeah, so Sharnice is coming from us, uh, NC State, right? No, Check Tennessee, uh, Tennessee Tech. Tennessee Martin. Yeah. Tennessee Martin, that's it. Tennessee Martin. Yes, we'll get there. Somebody south and warm. Yes, Tennessee Martin, because, yeah, she and Chloe played together in high school. So, yeah, um, Sharnice is interesting. Um, you know, I wasn't quite sure where she fits exactly. Um, you know, maybe as, you know, if we're going to, put numbers on positions, maybe as a four, she's definitely a lot more athletic than what we've seen from other players historically in the program. So that's exciting. I think the question mark, like um, we were talking off air before we started is it's been reported that she's has some kind of injury. We think it might be a hamstring, but don't quote us or bet any kind of money on that. It, but she has some kind of injury. So we're not quite sure what we'll see from her at the beginning of the year. So um I think she's going to be an interesting piece because if she's healthy, I think she could really add an interesting athletic depth to the, to the mm -hmm. bench that we just haven't seen in the last couple of years. Yeah. Andy, any thoughts about Sharnice? I, you know, put up good numbers. Uh, I believe she transferred after her freshman year. Um, mm -hmm. So put up good mm -hmm. numbers, obviously step up in competition. And I think um, while it's somebody who's got some experience in college basketball, kind of sitting the injury piece aside, There'll be an adjustment period both to the way that IU does things and also to the higher level of competition. But I think as you look about building toward the future, got really good size. Uh, and I think somebody who can, you know, kind of help you 
uh, in the front court potentially as a, you know, as a backup this year, assuming she is or gets healthy and somebody who can grow into a bigger role over the course of her career. So uh, always good to have size up front. Um, and so I think we'll be interested to see kind of what, uh, you know, what she's able to do uh, as she adjusts. But uh, I, I agree with you, Kathy, seems like kind of a, you know, a, a four and could give you, you know, a different look uh, up front. So I think that's, uh, that's a good thing. And hopefully she comes along, but I think it's somebody you'd treat in some ways as, you know, a little bit like a freshman in terms of acclimating to a new, uh, new system, new place and, um, getting to do the way, getting to do things the way that, uh, coach Moore wants them done. And, and so, um, I think whatever you get from her this year is, is gravy and maybe somebody who can give you some spot minutes, uh, here and there when you need it or somebody gets in foul trouble. So Andy, exactly. I'm going to throw, I'm sorry, Kathy, uh, but Andy, I'm going to throw no, it right I, back to you. I was just agreeing. I'm going to throw it right back to you here. Let's talk about schedule a little bit. And <laughs> Kathy and I kind of previewed the non-conference schedule already. So I'll give you a chance just to look at IU's non-conference schedule. Three marquee matchups really that I see at Stanford and then down in a uh, tournament uh, or a showcase where they're going to play uh, Tennessee and Princeton. But what do you think of the non-conference schedule for the Hoosiers? Uh, you know, a lot really rides on uh, the the uh the tennessee and stanford games as as you guys mentioned on that show uh a while back when you talked through that um you know i think if you get to a point and princeton is a is a solid team that i has got some recent uh recent history against as well um but feels like that's one that i you should win so it really kind of comes down to the other two it feels like you know if you you know want to at minimum be able to split those games uh you know where your win comes probably doesn't matter. Either one is going to be a good win. Both teams come into the season ranked uh, in the top 25, I believe. So, um, you know, I think a lot of opportunities quite on and the big 10 is going to give you plenty of chances for quality wins. So not a huge concern about that, but overall, um, you know, a lot of chances to, to rack up some wins. You got a couple marquee games uh, and hopefully some of those other games we talked about before give you chances to do a couple things. One, uh, not, not put a huge workload on McKenzie and two, get other people some chances to get game action and, and build that up. So you can figure out what your rotation is going to start to look like by the time you get into big 10 play. So, uh, overall decent balance. Uh, you know, I think there's a lot more, yeah, I think there's a lot more drop off, at least it seems to me anecdotally in, in women's college basketball from the top leagues to really any of the other, almost any of the other leagues. Whereas I feel like you know, the men's, it's a little bit more of a gradual, you've got a few middle tier and then you've got some lower tier leagues. Um, so I think in general, I sit back and look at the schedule and be like, man, there's not really a lot of exciting games on here um, in the non-conference, but um, I think probably put together that way uh, somewhat intentionally for, uh, you know, a few different you know, other reasons that I mentioned. And uh, so I think you look at it and say, Hey, how do you, how do you split at a minimum, split those two games, you go two and O against Tennessee and Stanford, you probably end the non-conference undefeated and, uh, you know, that certainly will be the goal coming in, but I think if you're able to split those, you should be in pretty good shape. Yeah, I think that's going to be an interesting matchup, Kathy, at Stanford. We kind of speculated back in the offseason when we talked about the non-conference schedule, but we speculated that Cameron Brink would be a possible first-team All-American, and it, kind of, it came out today that her yes. and McKenzie, that matchup will be two preseason All-Americans, essentially that play kind of the same role, both primarily post players, but and also is known as well for their defensive play, and both have the ability to at least step outside a little bit and shoot the three. So just a little bit, especially about that Stanford matchup, and if you want to about Tennessee and Princeton. 
Yeah. Um, you know what? Yeah. We talked about this lot in our non-conference um, breakdown, but the Stanford game one is one in particular to be circled. Um, you you do, you have the, the Cameron Brinks versus McKenzie Holmes matchup, and that's going to be the headliner going into it. As you mentioned, um, and, on the road. and on the road, yes, it's going to be a, a huge and really soon, right? That's only our second, it's like the second game. Second regular game. Yeah. So we have an exhibition, we have EIU, and then three days later, we have Stanford on the road. So I, I think that's just going to tell us a lot about this team and how they are able to come together. And um, hopefully we'll see fruits of the, the Greek trip in particular, where maybe they've had that extra time to bond and whatnot. So I think that Stanford game is definitely the, the marquee matchup. Um, and then, of course, uh, the Tennessee and Princeton game, for a personal reason, I'm going down over thanksgiving with sean to fort myers so i'll be there in person cheering them on so um i'll be looking forward to both of those games as well you know princeton i, I just you know i don't want people to sleep on them either they are picked to win the ivy league and picked pretty handily and, and princeton has had a really good um yes, you know team the last few years and so i think you have to really watch out for them you know they have a really strong defensive mind as well so i think that could be a very interesting matchup between us and princeton i think it'll be different if i remember when we did our breakdown in princeton they're they don't have the height that we're going to see from stanford or tennessee so it will be definitely a different kind of, of team to match up against so definitely those are the three marquee headlines of the the non-conference for sure yeah, so Kathy, I'll throw it back to you real quick. Uh, the Big Ten schedule, we really have not talked about. I'll kind of preview a little bit, just get your thoughts about the overall. And I, again, I don't think the Big Ten's easy, but I didn't feel like Indiana got any real breaks in the schedule. They're going to play Iowa twice. They're going to play Maryland twice. They're going to play Illinois twice. And the only time they play Ohio State is on the road in Columbus. So, But what do you think of the Big Ten schedule? Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, the big 10 women's conference in particular has just become very, um, a lot deeper than what we have historically seen from it. You know, there's, um, you know, you still have a few teams that are going to be at the bottom that, you know, shouldn't give us much problems, but there's a lot of that, you know, kind of middle area that we, we could really see some, you know, what, People will consider upsets. I think you have to watch out for Purdue always with it being a rivalry. We already talked a lot about Illinois in our last um, podcast about how Illinois has really grown so quickly under their, their coach. And, um, you know, you don't know about Maryland and some of these other teams. So, you know, the only break I guess we got was Ohio State only once. But as you mentioned, it's on the road at Ohio State. Um, the one nice thing compare if we're comparing to last year is we just don't have that gauntlet that we had to run through no. in February. So at least our tough games, I would say, you know, they're a little a little more spread out. We come, you know, here to Iowa City in middle of January. Um, you're at Maryland at the end of January and at Ohio State early February. And then, you know, towards the end, you get at Wisconsin and you have Northwestern sprinkled in there. So I don't think every single game in that February time stretch, stretch to me just seems so daunting like it did last year where it felt like we were playing the top, you know, four other teams um, almost the entire month and like some kind of round robin, I don't know, gauntlet that the Big Ten thought would be funny. So I do yeah. think it was it was at least a little better there. I think and we're going to make some predictions here in a few minutes, but I think that stretch where they play at Iowa, at uh, at mm -hmm. Maryland, at Iowa, or at Ohio State will kind of determine where they finish in the league. I really think that three-game stretch yeah. is going to be huge. Obviously, what other teams do as well. Andy, what do you think about as you look through the IU uh, uh, Big Ten season? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you guys that the the 
tougher games are a little bit more spaced out than maybe they were a year ago. But when you look at the the schedule, as you said, um, for a league that's got a lot of really good teams, you didn't really get a break with any of them. Um, you know, the, I guess theoretically, like you said, Kathy, you get a break with only having to play Ohio State once. But when the one time you play them is at their place, that doesn't really uh, feel like as much of a break as maybe as maybe mm-hmm. it is. So that's where it, it gets a little bit of that way. And I know you guys had a show earlier in the the off season where you kind of talked about how that, how some of the other big 10 teams were and it. It didn't seem like anybody had a, there was one of them. I felt like had a little bit more of an advantage than, than others in terms of like not having double plays against For some sure. of the, uh, some of the others. And it's also harder. They just, they play, you know, two fewer conference games than they yep. do on the men's side. So you end up with, uh, you know, two fewer teams that you can get double plays against. So it does make it feel a little bit, uh, a little bit worse, but I also think this is a team that's kind of proven it can compete with anybody and shouldn't necessarily be uh, scared of those games or feel like they, there's any they can walk into and not be able to win. Uh, but yeah, certainly didn't do them any favors from a you know double play standpoint. Maybe a few favors from a you know not having game after game after game against the cream of the crop in the league. Yeah. And so Kathy, let's get prediction time. All right, we don't All have right. any music for prediction it. time, but it's prediction no. time. Now I'm going to throw it to you. What's IU's <laughs> overall record and Big Ten conference record? Um, so overall, I have them at 22 and six, um, and 14 and four in the Big Ten. Um, so I, I do, I, as much as I want them to split, I do have them losing against Stanford and Tennessee um, for non-conference, and then that that you know on the road against um, Iowa, Maryland, and Ohio State, I have those three for conference losses, and then I just really think that they're going to drop one unexpected. That at least from our perspective, we don't expect them to to kind of drop it. You know, maybe a, a, at Illinois. Um, don't know exactly with Maryland. You know, we're hearing some things about Michigan. So maybe there's something with Michigan we're just not aware of. So I, I do think there's going to be one other conference game. I, I don't know which one. I do think there's going to be at least one other that we kind of drop. And I thought about actually having us with five losses. So, um, but I went ahead and stuck with 14 and four for a conference. We'll have to go back and revisit these, by the way, at the end of the year. Uh, Andy, <laughs> overall record and Big Ten record. Uh, I will only go back and revisit these if I did well at it. That's usually the tact I take on the assembly call. I only bring stuff up if I feel like I did well on it. And if I didn't, we just pretend it didn't happen. Uh, so there's 20, 28 games in total. Is that correct? Is that right? Like, yeah. You know, yeah. I did this on uh, something. 18 conference, have, 10 nine. That I do not have with me right now. So uh, mm-hmm. I think I ended up actually with the same record as Kathy. Although got there just slightly differently. I only had one non-conference loss figure. I don't know which one of those they, they win, but I don't think they lose both of them. And then I had five Big Ten losses. I think, uh, you know, there's those few that are really tough. And then it just feels like the league has stepped up in a way that you may drop another game or two than you that you may not have before. Um, got players taking different roles. I think there's just going to be a lot more closely contested games than ever before. So kind of netted out in the same place. I was I was pretty close to 14 and four. And then I usually uh try to like tack on an extra loss because I figured I was probably being overly optimistic. And so yeah. try to hedge my bets a little bit. So yeah. ended up in the same place as you, but uh, you know, one of the losses is a different place than what you have. Yeah. yeah I'm going to go 23 and 23 and five. I, I've got them losing only at Stanford on the road in the non-conference. I think they'll win those two down in Fort Myers. Um, and then I have them going 14 and four. And I really wanted to go 15 and three. In fact, I, I, I have them losing at, at Maryland, at Ohio state, at Iowa. And that's really the ones I feel like they, that are the ones I'm looking at on paper that I kind of went like mm, tough games. I think I'll, you know, I'd take the loss there, 
but I, I can't agree with you guys. I think there's going to be a game, whether it's at Illinois, at Purdue, at Nebraska, where maybe that, you know, they get, you know, something jump up, jumps up and bites them a little bit. So 14 and four in the league. But I really was close to being 15 and three in the league and, and going 24 and four. But I, I agree with Andy, though. I think the league's just going to be so competitive about, you know, we have the four we've kind of talked about, the five. But I think you could go in, like I said, Nebraska, if they finally play to their potential and Purdue, you've got seven teams that are really kind of capable of beating a team on any given night in the Big Ten. Now, you get down to the bottom of the league, 11, 12, 13, 14. I think there any of those if you lose any team of those four teams, I think would be a monumental upset. And that's just a, a game that can't happen if you want to win the league. So uh Andy, so you had to support we all kind of went you went 13 and five. Where do you have us finishing in the league? Uh, now that I did not go through and figure out where everybody else was gonna be. So I figure um so I definitely did not go through that exercise. I would guess that would put them maybe in like a tie for third. I'm I'm kind of speculating uh I think they probably end up about third uh, in the league. I don't know that everybody has the same uh, strength of schedule as what they do. So maybe that's where it gets a little bit off, but I would feel like they'd be right in the mix for third, probably tied for third at that point. Cause I'm not sure that, um, you know, if you really look where people were ranked coming in, um, you know, I just don't know. There's so many teams at the top that are going to beat each other up. And then you got like a pretty solid middle as we talked about. It's like, you know, I'm not sure anybody's going to end up with, just you know two three losses so feels like even if you end up with five you're still right there in the mix so i'll say third ish without uh you know kind of going through all of it <laughs> kathy yeah i didn't either andy i didn't go through every other team and guess on i the hope record. jeff i hope jeff has a massive spreadsheet where he went through every <laughs> single big 10 game and figured out how to play it. yeah he he might i, I don't he, he did something similar <laughs> last year i don't know if he set it up this year but i um said 14 and four um, waffled with a 13 and five, but I still think that's going to be good enough for second. I, I still am going on the record of thinking Ohio state's going to come away with the, the regular season um, title this year. But I, I do think, you know, people are underplaying how much Iowa lost with, you know, McKenna Warnock and with Monica Sonano. And so I do think that Iowa is going to drop some games that people probably weren't expecting for them. So I think that we end up beating Iowa out for that second spot. And if not, it's going to be, it'll be really close like it was last year too. But I, I think, you know, it's going to be really tight with those top three, because like you mentioned, those middle teams, I think are just going to surprise teams from time to time that aren't on, you know, maybe quite aware the thing with Ohio State, I just think they've returned so much depth and experience. I think they'll be able to withstand that a little better maybe than, than um, Iowa and Indiana. Yeah, I went second, but when I was leaning toward 15-3, and three, I had them tied for first, and that game in Columbus being the tiebreaker, that they'd end up being the two-seed in the Big Ten tournament because they'd lose in Columbus. But I'm going second, and but I wouldn't be shocked if they end up you know in, in a tie for first because I just think the league – I think three losses can get you in that the end of that discussion of a tie. If somebody only loses two, let's say Ohio State only loses two, IU only loses two, you're winning the lick. I don't think there's any doubt in my mind about that. But I did not make a spreadsheet. But I, I think yet. we all kind of agree that IU, <laughs> Purdue, or excuse me, IU, Iowa, Ohio State are the three really at the top and going to be battling for that conference crown, barring something unforeseen injury-wise. But I just think IU's got a little bit more depth than Iowa does. But, again, a lot of it plays out with, with how the schedule is, is going to go. But I have Ohio State winning the league, and so I have IU a second. So, um, Kathy, how far does this team go in the NCAA tournament? Um, 
I should have an answer right away since I came up with these questions, right? Um, yeah. I'm going to actually, <laughs> um, you know, I, I actually thought about this as I was walking the dogs earlier today and I just can't decide, like my heart wants to say final four. Like I really just think that, you know, final four is where I want to put them, but I, I'm actually going to say, um, Sweet 16, and with the right matchup, I think they can make it to the lead eight. I, I'm not sure that we're going to make it to that final four run this year that we want to see. I'm going to go elite eight, and I think they have a chance to get to the final four. But again, it all comes down to matchups and who you get in that in that regional. But I think they'll be a one or a two seed, and they'll be a, they'll be hosting in Bloomington, and they'll they'll make it to the, at least the elite eight. Andy, yeah, I mean, obviously the matchup piece makes it a hard question um, to to really know. I, I I'm inclined to say elite eight. I think by the time you know the the end of the season rolls around, assuming everybody's healthy you've got a chance to build some of that depth that, you know, we feel like is better than what it's been uh, in recent years. And you can kind of see it a little bit uh, at, at that point. Uh, I do think they're going to be in, in reasonably good shape. And so even if they end up as a, you know, two or three seed, I think they're going to be, um, you know, hopefully operating at a high level at that point. So I, I'm going to say elite eight um, would love to, you know, be able to watch them for a month and then, uh, you know, figure out whether, you know, where are they at early in the season versus what's the amount of growth that you can get is, uh, you know, goes a long way. I certainly mm -hmm. think from a talent standpoint, uh, they have plenty uh, to make it to a final four, even with losing grace. Uh, yeah. And I think the experience of having to deal with playing without her last year is going to pay dividends this mm -hmm. year. Um, but yeah, hard to, you know, hard to kind of figure out, you know, what to predict without seeing hopefully the, matchup shake out you know maybe better than uh than they did in the past but i'll, I'll say elite eight all right andy i'm gonna throw it right back to you who finishes second assuming mckenzie leads the team in scoring who's second i'm gonna say sydney parish um she you know really wasn't that far on a points per game basis behind uh grace last year a little bit weird uh to you know think about that given you know, the, the time that grace missed and even when they were you know trying to ease her back in a little bit but just think she's somebody who seems like uh, you know, all the offseason buzz has been really good. Uh, apparently played well in the secret scrimmage. Uh, and for me, it was either her or Yarden, and I, I went with her. Uh, just think, you know, she can score a lot of different ways. Is going to have the ball in her hands uh, a decent amount. Got lots of opportunities uh, to score last year and, and took advantage of it. And if she can keep some of the foul trouble in check, like we talked about earlier, she's on the floor that much more and, and can be the one to, to do it. But I think you're going to have uh, a number of double-digit scorers and probably a lot of good candidates for – uh, second leading scorer, which is a good problem to have, uh, yes. I, I would say, as we head into the season. Kathy? Yep, I agree. I, I have Sydney as well in that second slot. Um, and I don't think she'll be too terribly far behind McKenzie, actually, in scoring. I, I do think, you know, as much as I, we talked about her foul trouble, I do think, you know, she's not a year now into Coach Morin's defensive scheme. I think she's going to learn to control that a little better on the fouling side, and she'll stay out there on the floor. So I, I definitely am predicting Sydney will ramp up in her, her minutes, which means she's going to ramp up in her points as well. And I think she'll be right behind McKenzie in scoring. Yeah, I will go with that as well. But I think it's going to be an interesting battle uh, throughout the season. I think Sarah, Sydney, and Yarden are going to be right there kind of together. But I think it'll shake out in the end that Sydney will be the second-leading scorer on the team. Uh, mm -hmm. The next one, will McKenzie pass Tyra Bustle on the all-time scoring list? I'm going to go first and say yes. Kathy? Yep, I think we covered that too. I agree. I think she gets her. Andy? Yep, I think so too. Even if they limit the minutes early, I think she's efficient enough to score – in the non-conference games, and I think by the time you throw in, 
at least a couple of Big Ten tournament games, hopefully a few NCAA tournament games, then I think she's in good shape. And then our last prediction of the night, who's the first player off the bench? Kathy? Gosh, we, we talked a lot about who we think will be the first two, but now we have to take a stand, right? Is it Lily? Is it Lexi? Um, I am or going Jules. to go with Lily. Um, yeah, maybe Jules sneaks in there too. You never know. But I, I'm actually going to go with Lily. I think that we're going to see her coming in for McKenzie earlier and more often than we did last year, just to, again, try to rest that knee of McKenzie and not risk injury. So I'm going to go with Lily. Well, um, on average, come off the bench first more often than, than not. Andy? Uh, Kathy stole my pick and my reasoning, so I won't add anything else. I had the same thought process of if the likelihood is they're going to manage her minutes, uh, and try to be careful with her and Lily's made the progress that everybody has, you know, kind of hoped for and talked about over the off season, then I think she feels like the one that would, would come in. But I think either I, of those two is a possibility. Yeah. If we're kind of going with who comes, who, who reports the scores bench first, every game more often as that first person off the bench then I, I agree. I think Lily will be that person. I think they'll try and get Mac out, maybe right there around that first TV timeout and then maybe play, you know, and, and go from there. But I would not be surprised though, to see somebody like Jules uh, work her way into maybe being that person who gets the most minutes off the bench. And again, we don't know enough from the, the secret scrimmage may have been an outlier and maybe she won't, but I'm really getting intrigued by what she can bring to the pro to the team just with her skill set. And the fact that coach Morin seems to trust her already to put her out there, at least in the scrimmage to, to go against a division one uh, team as well. So we'll have to wait and see. Those are our predictions for the season. We're going to kind of come back. Hopefully we'll remember to come back and revisit these at the end of the year and see how we did with them. But uh, yeah. So um, as we wind it up here, Kathy. Yeah. So overall, I would just say my, my kind of thoughts going into this is, I'm excited, right? I mean, I was excited before and then we started talking about other teams and we talk about the schedule and now we've taken a deep dive into our own team, which we were already excited about, but it just, you know, it reminds me of all those great memories we had from last year, right? Like, you know, ignore the, the Miami game at the end. That was not their season. The whole season was such a joy that to watch that, that team. And to be honest, I fully, fully expect that we'll have that kind of joy from this team as well this year. So can't can't wait already. November 1st, having that first exhibition game um, on Big Ten Plus. So if you got it for Hoosier Syria, make sure you keep it around actually through February because the women still play on Big Ten Plus on a February 11th against Purdue at home of all games they put on Big Ten Plus. So. Yeah. That's neat. But um, regardless of what, you know, our, our TV schedule looks like, I think this team is going to give everyone a lot of joy for us to watch again this year. Andy, final thoughts? Yeah, just really excited for the the season to get started. I think it's not too often that you can lose a generational player and still have uh, really high hopes for the season following. And I think, you know, again, to go back to some of the stuff we talked about with just where the program is, uh, that's something else. Grace will be sorely missed without a doubt, but uh but a lot of uh, interesting storylines with the team to figure out who steps up to, to fill in for that. Uh, a really solid conference that they're going to be playing in with lots of lots of good matchups and uh, looking forward to seeing how they build on the success of the last few years and, uh, and, and watching them and hopefully getting the answers to some of these questions through the uh, early parts of the season and, and be able to figure out what kind of roles uh, the newcomers are going to be able to play how you know Lily and, and Lexi look in expanded roles uh, and then you know a pretty solid starting five that you you feel good about and just trying to figure out how can you fill in around them 
uh, with people who can help pick up the slack when they have an off night or get in foul trouble or whatever the case may be. Uh, but uh, a really exciting, really exciting season uh, on the horizon for sure. And looking forward to watching it get started. And uh, certainly appreciate you guys having me on to talk about it. I'll, uh, I'll be sure to join you. Kathy already told me when she was here visiting that I'm the, the designated backup for uh, when there's games that you guys already know you're going to miss. So I'll do my best to uh, to be available. It's a, it's a fun team to talk about uh, always and uh, yeah. fun team to watch. That's just that's what I, I always walk away from watching. It was like they're just fun to watch. Uh, yeah. And so uh, looking forward to, to seeing more of the same this year. Appreciate that, Andy. Yep. Awesome. And as Kathy already mentioned, coming up next, the IU women will be in action next Wednesday when they host Northwood in an exhibition game, uh, November 1st, 7 Eastern, 6 Central. And Kathy and I will be on after that game. It will not be a full post game, just kind of a brief wrap up uh, of that game and, and kind of to have our normal show next week on Wednesday the 1st. So that game that will be on after that game concludes on BTN+. Plus. Their first official game is November the 9th, which I believe is a Thursday um, that game yeah. will be against Eastern Illinois, seven Eastern, six central. And again, on BTN plus, uh, our next episode again, will be next Wednesday after that game against Northwood the exhibition game assembly call will be on this Thursday with their normal weekly show. Andy you on this week. Uh, I am, I would assume the plan is going to be to do Jay's over unders if I was a, a betting man, but I have not seen them to prepare what's your over under on that that was really that was really uh not planned at all i swear but um so no i think yeah usually it's about that time the first exhibition game is on sunday so i feel yeah, like we usually sunday. try to do that prior to uh being able to see anything so i'm gonna i'm gonna assume that's what we're doing but i am planning to be on regardless of what the topic is okay also want to remind people that uh or let people know they're listening to the podcast or maybe didn't see the twitter feeds today uh the youtube channel is no longer assembly calls channel it is the back home network channel where you can find not only our stuff doing the work and assembly call but also crimson cast uh material as well and also crimson cast has a uh, women's basketball podcast with our friend Amanda Foster. We encourage you to check out those shows as well. If you want to see us do the show live and be a part of our live chat, make sure that you subscribe in our, to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash, I guess we should update this. I believe it's now back home network, but I have to double check on that. Uh, you can be a part of our private community as well. Find out more at assemblycall.com community and, and, dot com slash community special thanks to john ringer of rig design for designing our logos also a big thank you to bob thompson for our music that you've heard throughout the broadcast and thank you to you and thank you for listening we'll be back to talk iu hoops again with you soon i want to thank my co-host kathy amos and our guest andy bottoms for being with us tonight thank all of you who are in the workaholics tonight on the live youtube feed we'll talk to you again in a couple weeks until then or until next week until then keep your elbow in and your eyes on the rim and go hoosiers Awesome. Well, Andy, thanks so much. That was fun. Yes. Hey, it was a lot of anytime. fun. I'm happy to do it. So, yeah. We'll let you go. We kept you a little longer yeah. than normal, but yeah, it was we, such a good discussion. I didn't realize we were past an hour and I looked up and like, oh man. Oops. No, you're yeah. good. I, I kind of, I was like, man, this will probably be less than, you know, our normal like Thursday nights where you go an hour and a half. I might be the problem. Who's to say? So we don't have <laughs> common thread. No. Common thread between the two is me at this point. So, you know, I, know. I, but, I don't. 
I don't know. Jeff and I have had marathon shows, just the two of us. So I know we've had some post game shows where it's just the two of us and we go over an hour. So. All right. Well, then we I can get pretty back. windy. Oh. Andy, appreciate you being <laughs> right. with us tonight. Awesome. Yeah, Thank you. Both. Appreciate it. See yeah. you. Right. Bye bye, everyone. See you, Kathy. All right. So.